Welcome to another episode of Fandom Thoughts with the Pink Phantom. That's me. This episode, I'm going to sp- respond to my first caller, Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Check out his podcast. And then I'm going to talk a little about the Anchor Apocalypse, how Anchor is changing their app for the betterment of all podcasters. So let's get to those calls. Take it away, Jason. Hey, Pink Phantom, this is Jason, just a Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I heard about your podcast over at Jewels from NZ's podcast, another great podcast. And just want to say, although I can appreciate why you're not going to do the Phantom After Dark voice for everything like you did in your trailer, the 000 episode, it makes me a little sad. Okay, let me see if I can get through your catalog before I get to work. And I will tell you that my email address is thepinkphantom1 at gmail.com. Uh, why the Pink Phantom one? Because the Pink Phantom was already taken when I went to Gmail. And I have no idea who or why or how. And so I said, well, you know what? I'm consider myself the first Pink Phantom, therefore the Pink Phantom one. But yeah, that is that can be confusing in the digital world where the lowercase L and the one look a lot alike. Hey, really enjoy your recommendations of different podcasts. I will check those out. Actually, I'll probably download them so I have them so I don't miss out on them. As far as the favorite podcast for like actual plays and stuff, I really like Subclass Act um, and I like a new one called Legend of the Bones. Subclass Act uses a variety of different systems. He definitely has character death. Legend of the Bones is just using BX. Actually, he's using OSE, but he's probably going to have plenty of character death in there too, although that one's just started. Um, PVP is something new though, so I'm definitely interested in checking that out. Thank you for the recommendations. Really appreciate it. Really enjoying your show. Well, Jason, thank you for your recommendation for podcasts to listen to. Uh, I've actually been looking at subclass act because I like the idea of, you know, just using the podcast as a way to expose people to different systems. I think that's an interesting idea to, to hear someone to do actual play in different systems, give you the taste of the system as well as some kind of a story. I think that's, I've always thought that's an interesting idea. So I'll certainly give those podcasts a listen to. Uh, just a general heads up on the Dungeons and Debuckles podcast. There is PVP in it. It really only happens a couple of times, but it does turn, turn into a turning point in the campaign at one point. So it's not constant PVP, but it was a, it was a podcast that I really enjoyed. I'm, I'm sorry they're gone. Hey, Jason again. I wasn't sure if your email was a one, like a number one, or the word spelled out, so I didn't want to send you an email. So here I am on the way home in the rain. Hopefully the audio quality is not too horrible. Critical hits and, and misses and fumbles. I think you make a good point that when we talk about it's more, you know, it hurts the characters more than the NPCs. That's probably an overstated worry. Now, I think numerically, I don't know if I agree with you. I think it really depends on the game. I mean, like for fighters, to me, and I know I'm probably not in the majority here, but when you're talking about OSR fighters where they can hit multiple creatures one hit die or less as they get up in levels, I believe in giving them the opportunity to use that ability. Otherwise, why, why let them have it? So for me, I 
do believe in throwing large numbers of low-level creatures that are going to do physical attacks against mid to higher level parties. Now, obviously, they have other ways to deal with these creatures as well, but, you know, that's just kind of my opinion. I also like the idea, to be honest, of letting that multiple attack thing happen as the fighter goes up in levels too. So maybe when he hits fourth level, he can hit four one-hit die creatures or two two-hit die creatures, right? Sixth level, maybe you get three two-hit die creatures. I, I like that kind of progression, so that way it's not useless against anything but one-hit die creatures. But that's probably a tale for a different time. I do think fumbles are more detrimental to the party, mainly because, you know, ultimately it's not that big deal if that kobold or that goblin drops their sword, but it's kind of a big deal if your fighter does. <laughs> Now, I think they can be narratively interesting. You have to remember, I'm a fan of Warhammer Fantasy First Edition and Rollmaster, so crits and fumbles aren't a big deal to me. I don't mind them at all, but I can see why some people would have negative thoughts about them. But I think you provide a really good argument. It was a really interesting episode that I enjoyed. And I think because people like seeing the results on crit and fumble tables, and I think it adds something neat to the session, that there's really no harm in having them in a D&D game. I had completely forgotten about that ability of fighters to take more swings at the lower hit dice critters. And I think that's a good idea to kind of extend that out beyond just creatures below one hit dice. That is a, a good a good way to spice up the, the fighter in the older school games, OSE or BX, where they don't have where they don't have quite as many class choices. And that would that would expose them to a lot more critical hits. But I would think that, you know, as they've leveled up enough to get those abilities, it would be a lot harder for those those minion type creatures to even get a hit on them at all. So critical hits might just be a way to actually have the fighter feel a little danger when he leaps into a crowd of kobolds or goblins and just starts hacking away. But yeah, that's that's very true. In that situation, the critical hits would definitely favor the monsters. On 3D6 down the line, I agree with your premise that parties have always been, or players have always been playing high fantasy and super power, not super powerful, but more powerful characters. Um, you know, as a kid, I had Beckme and then AD&D, and always I was an AD&D guy more than a Beckme guy. As an adult, got BX and Holmes and OD&D. I really like OD&D with Chainmail, but... I'm not as much a fan of the basic editions. The pathetic aesthetic, of course, we did with Warhammer Fantasy, but that's a different game. I, but I agree with you. D&D has always been kind of high-powered, and I don't see a problem with that. But to act like it wasn't that way back in the day, I think, goes in the face of the books. It goes in the face of the stories of the players back then. No doubt some players played that way, but I don't think it was ever the norm for D&D. I did have some comments about AD&D, though. When we look at AD&D, we to create ability scores, you kind of want. That's a heck of a way to do it, huh? 3D, I'm just the one character out of those 12 that you want to play, is you have at least two 15s. So, the 3D6 down the line, pathetic, pathetic thing was never really intended for AD&D. Anyhow, again, thank you so much for your show. Really, 
really appreciate it. I'm glad I found it. I will start pushing it in all the good places and hopefully get you some more listeners and some more feedback and we can have some more interaction. Take care. I think definitely in AD&D, these were, these were the characters that were going to become the movers and shakers in the world eventually. They were going to take part in the domain game when they leveled up. They were going to be the people carving kingdoms out of the wilderness. And that's not just regular folks doing that. But I also think some of it has to do with how we look at the stats. You know, we look at 3d6 and we look at the 3 to 18 range. We say, okay, here's where the middle is. And this is where the, the dice are going to tend to glob up and give you the most results. And we think, well, that's average strength. That's average intelligence. But really, in particularly in AD&D, but I think across the D&D spectrum, the ordinary folks that are in the game world, they're not going to be in the middle of that range. They're not going to be, you know, your your eights, your nines, your tens in, in their abilities. They're going to be down toward the lower end. They're going to be fives and sixes. They're going to be fours and they're going to be maybe some sevens. They may have one attribute that's particularly high, like if it's a sage, it may be someone with high intelligence, or if it's a, a holy leader of some sort, a high wisdom. You know, if there's a big burly guard, he may have high strength. But overall, what would be average for PCs is not going to be average for the world. And I think that's why that 3D6 is, you know, it's just this it's just this gritty character, and it's just your your average man on the streets out there adventuring in the wilderness. And it's always kind of funny to me because some of the folks that, that have an affinity toward 3D6 and that view, I think, of it, that, you know, well, these are just these are just regular folks and, and they're not superheroes. They also tend to like sword and sorcery. Conan was pretty super. And that's the guy that gets mentioned a lot when people start talking about sword and sorcery. So, yeah, I think 3D6, I don't think it's what a lot of people think it is. But that's the great thing about RPGs is you can you can play that game. If that's the game you want to play, you can play that game. And that's what it's really all about is finding the game that that inspires you and that you enjoy and that you want to play and and playing it. So if people like 3D6 straight down the line and want to use that as as you said the pathetic aesthetic, fantastic. Love it. Go for it. Can't wait to hear the stories. And if you want to be blasting fireballs from day one and taking on the gods of your of your setting. Fantastic. Can't wait to hear about it. I just hope everybody's enjoying themselves. It's just don't don't dump on somebody else. And don't try to apply what you play to what other people want to play. Because we're all different. Everybody doesn't want the same thing and and the hobby is about tailoring the hobby to you and not tailoring yourself to the game. I want to talk briefly about the Anchor Apocalypse. That Anchor is going to be updating the app so that the favorites tab goes away and you get analytics instead. And, you know, it will make it a lot harder to leave messages for your favorite podcast. But I think for me, the biggest thing is it will make it harder to get to your favorite podcast because the web browser version of Anchor doesn't have an option for favorites at all. So, whereas on your phone, you could go to the favorites tab, 
open up your favorite podcasts, and then you could go straight to that podcast and leave a message. Now you're going to have to search for that podcast by name at Anchor and bring it up. Now, I was having to do that with some podcasts anyway. It's kind of ironic that Jason is the one that started talking about this. And for the longest time, I couldn't find Jason's podcast on the on the app on the phone. And then a few weeks ago, there it was, and I was able to favorite it. And so now it's on my favorites tab. Future Greg here. That's the Discover tab, not the favorites tab. But it, it will make it harder to call in, just in general. And it's probably the first step in them just factoring that out. Actually, it's probably the, it's probably the first step in them eliminating Anchor completely. Now that it's under Spotify and they're starting to encourage you to go to Spotify. Which is a shame. Because I think, you know, maybe not as widespread. But this is a community that's formed around this ability of Anchor to call in and interact with each other and to put that into the podcast easily. I think this is, you know, the audio version of Google Plus, which is something that was very interactive. I didn't get into it until the very end, but, you know, you hear nothing but fond things from people that existed in what was in the OSR community back then. And I think it really did a lot to to help the OSR movement. And then Google got rid of it. But, and there's nothing else that has approached that functionality. And I think we have that same problem with Anchor. Yes, there is SpeakPipe where you can leave messages. And I'm sure there are other ways to leave messages. But it's, it's you know, when it's integrated with your phone and you're listening to a podcast and you can just go to the app that you're listening to it in and and go straight to, straight to that spot, it makes it more convenient. And it makes it more likely for people to do. Now, will that stop me from calling in? I'm not the biggest caller. I've been calling in, I think, more lately. It's sporadic. Everything I do is sporadic, it seems like. It's, it's something that's going to be more, more concentrated. For me, it's not as bad because a lot of times, you know, I'm picking up my phone. I'm sitting somewhere near my computer anyway, so I could do it on my computer. And, and it's sad to me that, you know, the options that are there, they are web only. And some of the ones that I've seen that look like, hey, this would be close. It's too bad they don't have a phone app. And then you look a little more into it and it's they're not even that active on social media and haven't been for months. So a lot of these messaging things seem to be a little sketchy. So, you know, like they're doing the web business equivalent of pod fading. So I do think I do think it's a shame, but I am going to keep listening to these podcasts that I listen to, the the Anchor Sphere, the Anchor Verse, the Anchorites. And we'll just have to find another way to interact. I don't know what that is now. I'm not going to stop looking. And if I find something, I will let everybody know. So this is a quick little last minute addition to the podcast here. Uh this is sort source doped by uh, Jason had a call in in his last episode of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast about First Story, a potential host to replace Anchor with for the Anchorite community. And this was one I had looked at a little earlier. And I did a little deeper dive in it since then. And so I just want to go over a few things that I saw real quick. Uh, if you're not interested in this, you can just skip to the end. This will be the end of the podcast. Uh, 
if you go to their site, it shit says that they launched in 2019 and uh, that they have over 10,000 plus podcasts and they're the most popular podcast host in Asia. It looks like they're hosted out of Taiwan or based in Taiwan. Uh, they've got an app on the Google Play site and it's all in Chinese characters, so I have no idea what it is. They call it the creator app, so I don't know if it's, I don't think it's probably for listening to podcasts. It's probably more for podcast creators, which is more in the direction what uh, Anchor seems to be moving with their app instead of listeners, more to creators. Uh, So just poking around their site, they tout their ratings on a place called uh, Product Hunt. They have 200 plus upvotes and 50 and five star reviews. And so I I clicked through over there and took a look at it. And both those things are true. The five star review is based on 15 reviews, all posted in July of this year. So that's a little interesting. And Pod Hunt says that they launched nine months ago. That may just mean they launched on Pod on pro, on Product Hunt and not their overall launch, because like I said, on their site, it says 2019. Their Twitter feed dates back to May of 2018. Uh, They've tweeted 191 times since May of 2018, which is not a ton. But their last tweet was at the end of June. So they're not extremely active, but then I'm not extremely active on Twitter either, so can't really judge on that i guess even though that you know maybe maybe not maybe expect more from a company especially one that's you know an online hosting company now they had a discord that's something that i didn't see before i jumped over there Uh, it's got 38 members 10 team members Uh, their last post in their announcement section was in april and the last post anywhere i could find was in the general section at the very beginning of june uh, YouTube, they have a YouTube channel. They have a handful of videos ranging from a year ago to eight months ago. And uh, that's really about it. Uh, oh, the app, the app on Google has been rated uh, 277 times. So for 10,000 plus podcasts, you know, you say, how many ratings is that? I don't, you know, how often does anybody rate their podcast host? I mean, there's a a lot of people who listen to podcasts that don't rate the podcast. So how many, what what percentage of people actually rate the podcast host? So I don't know how much you can go by 15 reviews on that product hunt, which I'd never heard of before today in 277 ratings on Google Play. I tried to look at their, they, they appear to be on Apple. They claim to be an Apple partner you know, uh, I guess for whatever, whatever that's called. And, uh, you know, I couldn't access over there for some reason. It just brought up a screen with a little emblem on it. But a lot of their stuff, I, I, I couldn't find. At one point, I'd looked at their site and thought I'd found where they listed their podcasts, and there were only 12 of them. And they were all, they all had, you know, Chinese characters for their names, so I couldn't really tell what they were. 
I couldn't find that today, so I don't know if that link is missing, if it's been redone. So they have a moderate level of online activity, maybe a low level if you think they've got 10,000 plus podcasts, maybe they should be a little more active. Their blog on their actual site seems to be pretty active. They post multiple times a month. So I don't know exactly what, what can take of all this. Like I said earlier while I was talking about just digging around in some different podcast hosts earlier, some of some places seemed a little sketchy just because it didn't seem like there was a lot to it. So I don't know if this is a Potemkin Village situation where there's a handful of people claiming more than they're doing or if it really is just this big company that's hosting a lot of podcasts. But I thought I'd put that information out there for the Anchorites because we got to do something right, folks. It's the Anchor Apocalypse. I love that. All right, see y'all. The music in this episode was Strength of the Titans and Late Night Radio by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 4.0.